Let us look together in God's word to Ruth chapter 3, Ruth chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. Ruth chapter 3, verses 9 through 18 will be our focus this morning in God's word. We'll be speaking on the subject, maximum impact. Maximum impact. How to have and live a life of a maximum impact for God and for Christ. We'll see some principles found in our text here this morning. We'll see four things, four things uh, that we should be committed to. These things are spoken of in a, in a broad sense in our passage, but uh, these are four truths that we can apply to our lives that are found here in this passage. And these are the four points that are the outline. We first find that we're to be committed to the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Verse number nine, we'll see that in verse nine. Uh, we're to be committed to following biblical priorities or biblical principles. We'll see that in verses 10 through 13. Uh, we should also be committed to the well-being of others. We'll see this in verses 14 through 15. And lastly, we should be committed to waiting on God, being content in his will for us. And we'll see this in verses 16 through 18. Follow along as I Reading God's word, God's word that is given to us because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we have before us the word of God. So give heed, pay attention to God's holy word. He said, who are you? And she answered. I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord. My daughter, you have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I would do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that, I'm, that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held, uh, so she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her, uh, to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? 
Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. This is God's word. In the book of Ruth, this is written in a time of the judges, in a time which the people were doing what was right in their own eyes. This is how uh, the book of Judges characterizes the time in which the characters that we are uh, that we're studying their lives that we're looking at. It was in the time that these individuals lived during the time of the judges and God in his providence was working through these ordinary people. Notice in our text, as we read, you didn't know it, it was saying he, her, her mother-in-law, this man. The emphasis is not particularly upon the individuals. The emphasis is upon the God who is working through these individuals. That's why they're not emphasized. That's why their names are not given prominence in, 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 uh, uh, in, in uh, this text because we are to notice and, and, and to see that it is God who is at work in the lives of these individuals. God's providence is working in and 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 providence is working in and through these ordinary people these ordinary people who are like you and me they're no different they're they're men and women that are just ordinary individuals and god is working through their lives enabling them to have an impact in the lives of others boaz Life is impacting Naomi and Ruth. Ruth life has impacted Naomi and Boaz. Uh, uh, Naomi's life has impacted Ruth and Boaz. Everybody, all these lives are impacting one, having an impact upon one another because of our sovereign God. Do you want? your life to have an impact? Do you want to live in a way that your life has a maximum impact for Christ? Well, live for Christ. These are some applications that we can get from our text. Live for Christ. Submit to the Holy Spirit working through the word in your life. Commit to serve others. Commit your life to uh, to to commit to live a life of serving others and be content. Learn to to be content in your circumstances. Be content and wait on God. Don't get ahead of Him. Don't 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 make decisions that that you assume to be God's will without waiting and praying for Him. Wait on Him in your circumstances as He works out His will. These are some of the things that that we can. And we can uh, uh, see uh, as implications from our text. So let's let's look at the text together more closely. Ruth chapter nine, uh, Ruth chapter three, verse nine. Let's look at 
verse number nine, where we will uh, see that Ruth is committed to a redeemer. Look at verse nine. He said, this is, uh, this is Boaz. Remember, uh, we are in the part of the story where uh, Ruth, in obedience to her mother-in-law, goes down to the threshing floor where Boaz is working, uh, threshing, going through and taking care of the barley and the wheat. And, and he has fallen asleep on uh, this, this pile of, of, of barley and uh, perhaps wheat. And, and Naomi has told Ruth to go and to lie at his feet, uncover his feet. And what has happened is that Ruth has uncovered uh, Boaz's feet and she lied at his feet. And now Boaz, he's, he, he, he woke up perhaps because his feet is cold. I know I would wake up if somebody uncovered my feet at nighttime. And uh, his, his feet are uncovered and he see a woman lying there. It's Ruth. She's lying at his feet. And, and his feet are uncovered. And Ruth requests that Boaz cover her remember her, his feet is uncovered so if he has to cover his feet if, if Ruth is laying at his feet he has to cover Ruth as well and this is a commitment to marriage and and this is why Ruth is laying at his feet and 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 she uh, asks that here in our text uh, Boaz says and he said who are you and she answered I am Ruth your servant you know, Ruth answers in a, in, a, uh, in, a, in a humble way, and she says, spread your wings over your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And this is, again, thinking about having a maximum impact. This is because of Boaz's generosity and his uh, uh, care and concern for Ruth that he has shown. He has provided protection for her. He's been generous to her. He's been considerate of her. And, and now, uh, in response to this, Ruth comes to him and, and, and uses this, this, this idea of spread your wings, which is uh, used of, of God the Father in Ezekiel in reference to God's relationship to the nation of Israel. So it's a it's a marriage. It's a term of, of marriage. And so so she desires that Boaz, that Boaz, she says, spread your wings over your servant. Notice she says your servant. This is this is with which she says servant twice here, speaking of speaking in a sense of, of humility. She's she's asking Boaz to exercise his right as uh, the kinsman redeemer, this right under God's law. This, this, is, this is an appeal to, to Boaz to act according to God's word. Again, remember last week I said that there was uh, some who would say that there's sexual overtone uh, that, or, or sexual activity that is found in this passage, but I can't come to that conclusion because of the way that the, the these characters are revealed in Ruth. Their character is upright. Right? Even though Naomi is laying at Boaz's feet, 
and Boaz wakes up, they're thinking only about the word of God. That's what we see here. This is what we see. She appeals to Boaz to exercise his right under God's law as the kinsman redeemer to take her under his redemptive wings to provide protection and security for her, just like God did for Ruth. Remember, Boaz had commended Ruth in chapter two and how in, in her commitment to to Naomi and how uh, she had left Moab and come under the wings of God. And now. Ruth is seeking Boaz to provide for her just as God has provided for her. Her intentions are not immodest. Her intentions are not manipulative. She's not doing what the Moabite women did uh, when uh, and and uh, when when uh, they went to the men of Israel after they come out of the, the wilderness, they uh, they're not. She's not doing what the Moabite women did uh, with the men of Israel, seducing them into sexual immorality and to idolatry. She's not doing that. She's seeking a redeemer. <laughs> she's seeking a redeemer. She knows that having. The provision of food. Remember, she's been blessed by Boaz, but she knows that having a provision of food and a safe place to glean, which Boaz provided, this wasn't the same as being redeemed. <laughs> it was good, it was great, and it's only for a season, but being redeemed is for a lifetime. <laughs> This is what she desired. She desired a redeemer. And, and just, just think of, of, of this reality that Ruth is desiring something that God's word has commanded of his people, Israel. It says something about her as a person that this Moabite, this, this, this Gentile, this unbeliever, is 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 acting according to God's word. She she is acting according to God's word. She has been changed. Her life has been changed. She is a change. She is no longer acting like a Moabite. She's acting like an Israelite. Her life has been changed, and she's seeking a redeemer. And 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 so I just want to pause here and ask you: What are, what are you seeking? If you're an unbeliever, are you seeking to be redeemed? Are you like the people in John chapter 6 who were seeking Jesus, the Savior, but they were seeking him because of what he was able to do for them? John 6 and 26 says, Jesus said to those whom he fed miraculously, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs. Uh, recognizing that that he is the Messiah, that he's the one that God has promised in the Old Testament to sin. That's not why they're seeking Jesus. He said, Jesus says, you're seeking me because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were following Jesus because he fed them. 
Ruth has something bigger in mind as she goes to Boaz for Boaz to redeem her. She has in mind uh, not only coming under Boaz's protection, if she comes under Boaz's protection, she comes under God's protection. As she comes under Boaz and as Boaz provides for her, it is God who is providing for her through Boaz. She comes, she desires to come to the true God of Israel who has provided for her a redeemer. And so I ask you again, why do you come to Christ? Why why do you, even if you're a believer, why do you uh, trust in Christ? Why do you uh, live for him, do you live for him because he has redeemed you with his precious blood? Ephesians 1 and 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Is this why you serve Christ? We should always be evaluating our lives and asking ourselves, particularly as we start the new year. Why is it that I live my life the way I live my life? It's the most important question you can ask yourself. Why do I do what I do? Is it because you've been redeemed? Is it because you have a redeemer? Be committed to the redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. But also be committed to Biblical principles. This is what we see here next. Be committed to biblical principles. Ruth was committed to a redeemer. And we'll see here Ruth and Boaz are committed to following biblical principles. We've already seen that in, in Ruth's life, but we're going to see it more closely in Boaz's life. Look at verse number 10. Boaz says, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. Notice in verse 10, Boaz properly understood what Ruth was doing. He properly understood Ruth's intentions. And we notice because he blessed her. He says, may you be blessed. By the Lord, my daughter, Boaz responded to what Ruth has requested of him. He responded by praying for Yahweh to bless Ruth, implying this implies something that he saw nothing wrong with Ruth's request. That what she requested was in line with Yahweh's covenant for his people. So he said, may you be blessed by the Lord. Uh, Boaz, he he knew the law of God and he knew his responsibilities that would fall to him as being a close relative of Naomi. He he knew God's law. He knew what what was required. And so he understood that what Ruth requested was in line with what the law of God required he was committed to biblical principles and if her uh, if her intentions 
were not godly, he would have had a different response. He would have kicked her out. If, if her intention was to be improper, he wouldn't be uh, at, uh, praying to God to bless her. He, he wouldn't ask Yahweh to bless her. And notice what he says. Notice what he goes on. He says, and, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness. This is a key word. Kindness. Uh, Hesed greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. He identifies what Ruth has done as an act of Hesed, an act of kindness. This term was used in chapter 2 and verse 20 in reference to Boaz. It was used by Naomi in chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, And Naomi said to her daughter in law, May he be blessed by the Lord. And notice whose kindness she references, whose hesed she references. She says, And Naomi said to her daughter in law, may, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness, whose kindness, the Lord's kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead, the Lord's kindness being expressed through the life of Boaz. And here in our passage in chapter three, we have God's kindness, Yahweh's kindness being expressed through Ruth and Boaz recognizes it. You have made this last kindness, this hesed, which is which was associated with the Lord greater than the first. This is what God has, has, has done. He, he recognizes the, 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 the working of God through the life of Ruth, his, that, that, uh, that, that God has uh, been gracious to him and Ruth in the life of Ruth. And this word hesed is it's really, you can say it's the, it's the theme. It's one of the themes of the book of Ruth. This book is not about a romance. We can get some principles out of this. We can look at the book of Ruth and get some principles for marriage, for, uh, for some principles concerning, we can do that. But that's not what this book is about. It's about the Lord's hesed, about his loving kindness, about his faithfulness, about his goodness, about his uh, covenant love to his people. It's about God's covenant faithfulness and love at work behind the scenes being expressed through the lives of ordinary people. Boaz recognized, he, he acknowledges this reality. You made this last kindness greater than the first. And notice, Boaz says that this is what, what Ruth is doing is a greater act of kindness than her first act of kindness. What was her first act of kindness? Well, the first act of kindness was Ruth cleaving to Naomi. 
and leaving behind her people, her homeland, her false gods to become a part of the people of Israel. This was the first act of kindness of God's, And this was God's kindness to Naomi, who lost not only her husband, but her two sons. And God blessed Naomi with Ruth, uh, one who was committed to her, committed all the way to death for her. And so the, the first act of kindness was Ruth leaving uh, and cleaving to, to Naomi. But this second act of kindness, Boaz says, is even greater. What, what is this second act of kindness? He, he says, you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. She has chosen Boaz as a redeemer. Boaz understands that Ruth could have sought out men closer to her age, perhaps. We're not told the age of Ruth and the age of Naomi, uh, of Boaz, but there is an age difference uh, implied in the text. And Boaz understood that Ruth could have sought out younger men. You, you could have you done that. But instead, she sought him out to be a redeemer, to be a redeemer through marriage in which there would be a possibility. And this is how it's an act of kindness, the second act of kindness, because really it's, it, it not only has Ruth in mind, but it primarily has Naomi in mind. We'll see that in chapter four. We'll, we'll see that in chapter four, because if uh, Boaz fulfills his responsibility to redeem Ruth through marriage, uh, there would be a possibility that they could have children, that they could have a son who could be raised to inherit Naomi's property. Naomi's property and preserve Elimelech's name. This is what we're going to get to in chapter four. We're, we're going to see Boaz, uh, his, uh, his selflessness in giving up all that he is to really em, to, to bring on and embrace uh, and, and to, to, uh, to keep uh, to keep going somebody else's name, somebody else's inheritance. He gives up his inheritance, inheritance for the inheritance of somebody else. We're going to see that in, in chapter four. And this is what is meant in leverage marriage. That's what's being discussed here. Uh, uh, leverage marriage when uh, 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 a widow husband dies. Uh, a leverage marriage is 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 when uh, their kin, brother or cousins come and marry the widow so that the name of the deceased husband can continue on. And that's what Ruth is is seeking after. She's not thinking about marriage for the sake of marriage. She's thinking about Naomi. She's thinking about Naomi. We'll see that in chapter four. And, and again, this is this is mind blowing because Ruth is a foreigner. She was born as a foreigner. She is a, a Moabite. And, and, and by doing this, she shows that she's made a complete separation from her people. 
from her religion and that she has embraced to live the way of God's people. And it's, God, and it's Yahweh, God's hesed that is flowing through her life. We must live the same way. We must live in a way that is distinct from those around us. We must live as God's people. And, and, and we do this by allowing the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit in our lives, the fruit of love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. We too must allow God's grace at work in our lives to be expressed through our lives into the lives of others. God's grace must pour through our lives out into the lives of others. And it's done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God, as God has forgiven you. This is God's will, that we live in a way that is distinct, live in a way that shows that we're committed to biblical principles. Colossians chapter 2, uh, chapter 3, verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're to put these things on because of who we are. We are identified as the people of God, and there is a certain way that we're to live. And we're seeing that with Ruth. Ruth has come and, and in, in, ingrained herself into the people of God, and she is living like the people of God. And Boaz, who is an Israelite, recognizes it. He recognizes what is going on and, uh, and what Ruth's intentions are and what her desires are. That it's according to the word of God. That it's according to biblical principles. He recognizes this. Look at verse 11. He says, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. Why? Because what Ruth requests is according to God's word. We have to remember that. I will do for you all that you ask. There is nothing improper going on in this path. I want you to get that point. A lot of the commentaries say that. There is nothing improper going on. Because Boaz said, I will do it. If she was asking something improper, Boaz, being a man of character, would not do it. He wouldn't do it. I would do for you all that you ask for all. And, and, and notice what he says about, about Ruth. He says, for all my fellow townsmen. Some say that this is a reference to all the leaders, the men at the gate, which come in to discussion in chapter four. He says, all my fellow townsmen know that you are worth. They know Ruth's character. <laughs> they know that you are a worthy woman. And Boaz assures Ruth that he will do what she has requested, that he will rate, that he will rise to the task of becoming a kinsman redeemer. And, and he commends her for being a vert. This is this word worthy. Uh, is the same word used in Proverbs uh, in, in reference to a vir it's virtuous 
woman. Some translation says an uh, uh, excellent woman, a woman of excellence. Uh, he commends her for being a, a, a virtuous woman of noble character and of excellent character. And notice he's not commending her for her looks. You know, you get that? He's not commending her for how she looks, her appearance. You know, he's commending her for her character. Can I drop something else on you? Before he even saw Ruth, he had heard about her and he was already being impacted by what he heard about her before he even saw her. <laughs> Young people, we can learn something from this. It's not about how somebody looks. It's about their character. It's about what they do when they are, when, when, when the lights go out. It's about how they live. It's about how they conduct themselves. Boaz Recognize he recognized he had heard about Ruth. We saw that in chapter two. He had uh, he had heard about Ruth before he even saw Ruth, and he 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 now he's experiencing. He's heard about her. Now he's experiencing. He's heard about her kindness. He heard about her character, but now he's experiencing her character. He's now experiencing the true reality of who she is. That she's a virtuous woman. Again, this same word is used in Proverbs uh, chapter, uh, in Proverbs in reference to the, the excellent woman there. Proverbs uh, chapter 12, verse 2 says this. The same word, using the same word that is used here. Uh, worthy, excellent. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4 says this. It says, an excellent woman. This is how the, I'm using the ESV. An excellent woman is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Says this, using the same word. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10 says this. An excellent wife. Excellent, same word that is used in verse 11 of Ruth chapter 3. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. I'll just continue. She does good and no harm all the days of her life and it goes and it continues on uh, revealing the characteristic of an excellent or virtuous woman, one who fears the Lord. And this is what Boaz see in Ruth. And not only is this term excellent used for Ruth, it's the same term used for Boaz in chapter two, verse one. In the start of of chapter two, verse one, to begin, it says, and Naomi had a, a relative of her husband, a worthy man. Ruth is a worthy woman. And Boaz, this is, uh, again, this is the ESV translation. 
uh, Ruth is a worthy woman. Boaz see Ruth as a worthy woman and author identifies Boaz as a worthy man. Again, pointing to their godly character. And so Boaz is willing to be uh, Ruth's redeemer, but it's a little bit more complicated. With, and this is what verse 12 tells us. It's a little bit more complicated uh, than, than it appears. Uh, look at verse 12 and it says, and now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Although Boaz is a near kinsman, uh, he is willing to redeem Ruth. There, there's a problem. There is a near relative, a near kin who need to be considered before Boaz. And again, this is this reveals Boaz's character and his devotion to God and his word and his contentment in God. This, this reveals, again, Boaz being a, a true man of God. He's willing to redeem Ruth, but when it comes down to it, he's going to obey God. He's not going to get ahead of God. He knows that there is another redeemer who is closer, a closer kin to Naomi and Ruth than he is. He knows this. And so he's willing. He's willing. But he's going to submit to God and he's going to wait on God. He's going to wait on God to work out his will. This could this is a highly emotional scene. And 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 we see Boaz not getting caught up in his emotions and his desires. He's bringing his emotions, his desires, his thoughts and the subjection to God's word. And we should do the same. We must bring our plans, our emotions, our desires into subjection to God's word. If we're, we're going to make an impact for him, we must be willing to be content with where we are. Boaz said, there's another redeemer. Look what he says in verse 13. He looks out for her well-being. He says, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem, if, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. He is, Boaz is content with whatever the Lord will is for him. Lord, let your will be done. Even though he has been amazed by Ruth's character, whatever the, and the Lord in his provision allows, and Boaz is content with that. He goes on, he says in verse 13, he continues in verse 13, but if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. Notice that Boaz seals his promise as the Lord lives. Be sure that I will redeem you. If he doesn't do it, be sure that I will. I'm not, I'm not just talking about it. I'm going to be about it. This is, young ladies, the type of man that you need to seek after, a man that is committed to the word of God. If he's committed to the word of God, he'll be committed to you. 
he'll be committed to you. Young men, if you're committed to the word of God, then you will. If by God's provision, if, if God brings you to someone and, and he is leading you to marriage, he will, if you're committed to God and his word, you will be committed to that young lady. Boaz says, and he's making this promise before the, he says, as the Lord lives. This is, this is the strongest way to assure a promise. As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. He's a man of integrity. And he's committed to her well-being. This is the third thing. Be committed to the well-being of others. 14 and 15. She lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize her. So she lay at his feet. He told her to lie down until morning. What is the implication? Nothing else happened. Nothing else happened. Nothing improper happened. She laid his feet until morning, but rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Lie, uh, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Boaz is concerned that there be no misunderstanding by others as to Ruth's visit in the middle of the night. Others might assume if they knew that Ruth was there, they might assume that something improper or immoral happened. That some immoral act happened during the visit. And Boaz here is showing concern for Ruth's reputation. He doesn't want her reputation to be tarnished. So he tells her to depart before others arise. And he tell, he says, uh, perhaps to his servants, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And so now, so it's showing that he's looking out for a well-being, but he continues. He sends her off with a cloak full of barley. Look at verse 15. And he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. And so she held it out. So she held it and he measured out six barley, six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. Just as uh, Boaz uh, did when Ruth came to the field he was uh, uh, that he owned and she gleaned his field. He sends Ruth to Naomi with an abundance of barley. Content, Boaz continues to look out for her well-being. And lastly, uh, we are to be committed to waiting. Verses 16 and 18. Look at verse 16 where it says, and when she came to her mother-in-law, and she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. She told her everything, everything that happened. Why could she tell her everything that happened? Because what happened was according to God's word. She didn't hold nothing. She didn't keep no secrets. She didn't have to be fearful of telling her mother, her mother-in-law what happened between her and Boaz because all that happened was pleasing to God. 
And so she could tell, she could tell her every mama, let me tell you what happened. I'm gonna tell you everything. He did this, 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 and this. She couldn't do that if something immodest happened. Mama, I slept with him. Oh, that would be fireworks if that has happened. Because they're not married. She said, I, I'll tell. Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said this in, uh, in verse 17. Uh, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Boaz continued to be sensitive to her needs, even though she has asked him, in a sense, to marry her. He ain't got he hasn't gotten cold feet. <laughs> Ruth has asked for commitment and her desire for him to commit himself to her has not pushed Boaz away. And, and Boaz wants he wants. Naomi to understand this. He, uh, he, he wants her to understand. And how will he help her to understand? Look, I sent her back with six bars. You know, there, some said that he gave us so much barley that it was about 80 pounds. I don't know how much of Eve it is. It really, you know, we, we don't really know, but whatever it was, he gave her a lot. <laughs> And he gave her a lot. He's sensitive to her needs. He's sensitive to Naomi's needs. They're poor. They're poor widows. And, and he bless, blesses them abundantly. And by doing this, by sending uh, this, uh, this barley back, he shows that he intends to care for me. Let me show you how sincere I am in being a redeemer, let me give you some grain, not just some grain, but a lot of grain. I, I'm, I'm intent on fulfilling my word. And so look at verse number 18. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle, settle the matters today. We end this chapter with Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth waiting to see how God, how this matter will unfold, how God will work this thing out. They're waiting. This is how we end chapter three. They're, 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 they're waiting to see how this thing will unfold. And, and, and for us, it, it can be, challenging for us to wait on God can it they're they're, they're waiting uh just, just, you know they're waiting and this is going to take place uh here the she says today uh but it's it's hard to wait isn't it there, there are times when it's when it's hard to wait uh, particularly if there's an opportunity for you to make a decision Right. It, 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 it's, it's really hard to wait when there when you can intervene, when 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 you have. And that's what Satan, when he came to Jesus in the garden, I mean, in the wilderness and he tempted Jesus. 
And and you know, he was he tempted Jesus. He said, Look, you hungry. You, you hungry, take these stones and turn them into bread. Jesus had the ability to do it. He fed 5,000 people with uh, two fists and, and some barley loaves. He silenced the waves in a storm. He turned water into wine. Jesus had the ability to do it, but it wasn't God's will. And it wasn't God's time for it. What God did not uh, tell Jesus to turn those stones into bread to feed his hungry body. He was in the wilderness to fast. That's why he was there. God, it said the spirit drove him into the wilderness. To do that, it wasn't time to do that. Satan was trying to get him tempt him to do something he had the ability to do. And when we are able to do something, that is when it's hard to wait on God. It's hard to wait on God when you have the ability to intervene, to act in a situation. But we're to wait, especially if we don't know if it's God's will for us to do it. There, Naomi and Boaz and Ruth is waiting. We're to wait. We're not to be impatient. We're not to get frustrated. We're not to play God. We must not run ahead of God. We must wait on him. Wait for his will to be either worked out or revealed to us through his word. Boaz demonstrated his commitment to wait on God by introducing this man who is a closer kin. Boaz says, there is somebody who is nearer to you than me. He's demonstrating that he's willing to wait on God. He could have said, he could have assumed that it was God's will for him to act as Ruth's redeemer. But he, he said, no, we're going we're gonna to wait for a clear direction to see if this one who is a closer redeemer, according to God's law, this one who is a closer redeemer will act. We'll wait. And, and waiting is built in this, this, this waiting uh, oftentimes is built into our lives by God. God put us in, in situations where we have to wait on him in his sovereignty. He ordains situations where uh, there is no immediate door open and we have to wait on him. We have to, in those moments, we have to learn to, to trust him. And our faith is stretched in those moments because we really want to act. We really want to do. And God is telling us to wait. And so. As we close out chapter three, the lives of the two main characters are described as being honorable. Naomi, I mean, uh, Ruth and, and Boaz, they're described as being 
honorable uh, in, in their character. And we have seen uh, them live an honorable life on the pages of scripture. It's been revealed to us. We don't know anything about how they look, about their physiques. We don't know anything about that, but we know how they acted. We know how they conducted themselves. They are godly, and God used both of them as instruments of his grace to others. Their lives had a tremendous impact on the lives of others because of what God was doing through each of them. And we, too. If we want to have an impact, if we want to have a, a maximum impact, we must live godly lives, lives of integrity, lives that are uh, that we conduct ourselves in a way that is uh, in accordance, that brings honor to Christ, that is in accordance to the gospel that has saved us. We must live godly lives. We must live lives that reflect God's holiness. God's holiness and God's character. We must live in such a way that the the that we live out the mind of Christ. That 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 we go from one level of glory to the next level of glory as we we learn of Christ, as we gaze, gaze upon him on the pages of scripture, as we learn more about Christ and his ways, as we learn about the height, the width and the depth of Christ's love for us. That should mold us. It should compel us and enable us to live lives for his glory and, uh, and, and live lives in service to one another. That's what God requires of us. This is what God requires, that, that our lives would be lived in such a way. Just imagine if your life was laid out in the pages of Scripture for others to see. Would they say the same of you? Would they would come to the same conclusion of, of you as they as we come to the conclusion of Boaz and Ruth and their character? Would someone conclude that you are a worthy or a person of excellence because of the way you live? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Because we have a redeemer. He, he has redeemed us. If you're in Christ, he has redeemed you. First Peter 1 and 19 says, we've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Hebrews 2 and 17 says, we have one who has been made like us, like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Oh, we have a redeemer. And he is the God man who has given his life for us so that we may have life and life more abundantly. That we may live a life that glorifies God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, and we know that uh, the scripture is true because you withhold nothing from us as far as 
revealing to us the the way that your people live in the Old Testament. We learn that there were those who lived honorable lives, lives that glorified you. And, and we also know that, uh, that there were those who uh, fell and fell into sin like David and and, and yet you called him a man after your own heart. And Father, this is a reflection of your mercy, of your compassion, of your goodness, of your grace. Uh, these, the lives of these imperfect people that, that are revealed to us on the pages of scripture, in these imperfect people's lives, we see clearly your work and your grace and your mercy and your character being revealed to us through them. And so we thank you and we ask that you will work in our lives in the same way that we would become people uh, who would uh, be noticed by the world around us, that we would be noticed because of what you are doing in and through our lives and that we would be a blessing uh, to others to the point to where they recognize that it's really not coming from us that is coming from our God and Father of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we know that this is pleasing to you and so we ask that you would do this this work in us through the Holy Spirit, through your word, and be glorified in every way, in all that we do, so that the world may stand up and glorify you and be drawn to Jesus Christ because of how we live. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.